Mark 16, verses 15 and 16 says, you don't have to turn to this. And this is Jesus' last words to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. And it says, And he said unto them, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And basically, this is the manifesto of the church. And this is the, the, the last command of Jesus to the church before he returns. He said to them, go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I don't know if you've noticed, but I've sort of been listening over the last few weeks to pastor and, and others that have been speaking. And just some of the titles that, that, that they've been speaking on has been about the Lamb of God. It has been about the offense of the cross. It's been about John 3.16. Pastor spoke last week on household salvation. And this morning about the man of peace. And I see a theme in that. And I see a theme, I believe, that what the Lord wants to say to us and is trying to say to us. And that's a pattern I've seen over this last few weeks. And I sort of, pastor asked me about speaking last Sunday, and I sat down on Monday morning, and I was thinking, what, what, what do we preach on? And just praying and thinking about it. And I had wrote a couple of verses down in, in the back of a book, actually, um, just the week before, which I believe the Lord brought back to me, and we'll come to those in a minute. But the Lord, I believe, has been trying to say to us about the gospel, bringing us back to basics bringing us back to what the church is actually called to do. Yes, we're called to know him and seek his face and be holy before him. But the purpose that Jesus gave in Mark 16 is for the church and it hasn't changed. That we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Evangelism is the role of the church. Sharing the gospel. Praying about the lost, pointing to the cross, and most importantly, pointing to the Lamb of God, Jesus himself. You know, and I believe God wants to get us back to our main purpose. You know, you probably know as well as I do, within the church, whether different denominations, it's focused on this, it's focused on that. And I'm not saying those things aren't important. But sometimes there's too much emphasis goes into different things. And I believe the Lord, especially with ourselves, with what we've been hearing over these last few weeks, is trying to bring us back to the gospel. Trying to bring us back to our main purpose. To go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Do you know, only the church has that mandate. Jesus didn't give it to anybody else. He gave it to his church. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That has been given to no one else but the church. And if you know Jesus Christ tonight, you are part of his church. And this is to you and this is to I. To go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is the purpose of the church. If you hear this tonight, this is your purpose tonight if you know Jesus. Your purpose in mine is to preach the gospel on this earth to those that are lost. 
So coming to the two verses, we'll just start with the one which is in Psalm 9. just want to read from verse 15 and then I'll point the particular verse out. Psalm 9, or verse 15. The heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made. In the net which they hid is their own foot taken. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. The wicked is snared in the works of his own hands. Higeon and Selah. And we know the Selah means to think about, mull it over. And this word hegeon means exactly the same thing. And it's like a double meaning. Think about it. Think about it strongly. Think about where the heathen are. Verse 17. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. And especially verse 17. It's one of the verses that just... I had written down and the Lord brought back to my remembrance. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. The wicked shall be turned into hell. That is a very sobering thought. A very sobering thought. They will be turned into hell. Who are the wicked? Well, the same verse tells us It says that the nations that forget God, those that forget God are classed as the wicked. Those that will pay no attention to God, those that are outside the kingdom of God, those that reject God, they are the ones that are the wicked in this verse. They are turned into hell. And what does it say there? It says, they that forget God. And the Hebrew word is shakich, or shakiach. And it means to be oblivious of. It means from a, a lack of memory or attention to. And this is what it means. It means that they're oblivious to God's ways and God's plans. And they're not interested in God. They won't take it upon their memory. It's not that they don't have an inkling of that there, that there is a God but they won't think about the real God. How many times have you spoke to someone and they believe in something, and then when you try to personalize that, they think, well, yes, I believe there's something. They keep coming back to that, but they won't take it in. They won't take in that and think deeply about the things of God. They're oblivious to it. They won't take it into their memory. They won't pay attention to it. He is in the, he's not in their memory or their mind. They're going about about their life, maybe a business, maybe a businessman, or maybe with children or family, whatever it is. But they won't consider God in the middle of that. They won't consider Him deeply. They pay no real attention. And even within the church, there's people who pay lip service to God, but even they don't take God seriously. They don't pay attention to God the things of God, because God is looking for obedience. He's not looking for sacrifice. He's looking for obedience. The wicked are turned into hell. They forget that they are dealing with a holy God. They think that, well, God's going to overlook my sin. 
But this verse tells us he won't overlook our sin. It says the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations to forget God. We read in John chapter 1, when Jesus came into the world, it said the light of the world came into the world, but they rejected him because they loved darkness more than light. They wouldn't pay attention to him. He came unto his own and his own received him not. Jesus said in Luke 13, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. And this is what it means. These are the people who forget God. These are the wicked that it's talking about in this verse. The wicked shall be turned into hell. Who are the wicked? Who are the wicked? Listen, pastor spoke this morning and last week household salvation. And if we look at this first, then some of the wicked are members of our families. It's a father. It's a mother. It's a son. It's a daughter. It's a brother. It's a sister. It's an aunt. It's an uncle. It's a grandfather. It's a grandmother. This is the wicked. Who are the wicked? The members of our families who don't know Christ, who have no interest in God, it seems, or who have an interest in God but won't commit to, to what, who God really is, who think, well, I believe this and God will overlook my sin. That's who the wicked is. And when I read these verses, it makes me, and by God's grace I hope convey tonight, to focus our hearts and our minds. Because when we read the wicked, we think, well, that's someone else. But it's the members of our families and our friends who we love. Look what it says in verse 16. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. Do you know that it is just for God to turn them into hell? Listen, it was just for God to turn us into hell. But we bow the knee to Jesus. If you know Jesus tonight. Because God doesn't, well then he's not a just God. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. Because he is a just God. And he must turn the wicked into hell. He must send the wicked to hell. Because then he wouldn't be a just God. Because then God would say, well, they have done all of this. They haven't repented, but I let them come in. And some people think like that. If God doesn't punish the wicked, the Bible tells us that, that you know, if people have said the phrase that he would have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Those that have forgotten him, They've rejected his mercy. He ceases to be God to them. If God lets them in, he is, God is undermined himself. And God's word is true. In John 17, Jesus says, thy word is truth. He didn't say thy word is true. He said, thy word is truth. And God will uphold his word because it's who he is. God will turn the wicked into hell. That's a strong, sobering thought tonight. 
but it is the truth of the word of God. This is why Jesus came. But God is a God of his word and he is faithful and true. He will turn the wicked into hell. If you look at that verse, the wicked shall be turned into hell. See the certainty of it. They shall be turned into hell. The Bible says, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? There's a certainty there. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. See the certainty of it. The wicked shall be turned into hell. And this is our family and our friends. See the completeness of it. All the nations that forget God. All the nations. It's a complete work. No one will escape the judgment of God. There's no gray areas with God. Pastor said this morning, you'll go to one of two places and only one of two. Heaven or hell. And he will complete that work. None of the wicked will escape. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves, of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor, blatant, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Very clear, very plain, very complete. Look what it says, be not deceived. Within the church today, there's a a sect called universalism. Everybody's going to heaven. God will make all things right at the very end. Everyone will be saved and brought to heaven. It's not the teaching of the Bible. I don't know where they get it from. They twist verses Take them out of context. Don't join it all up. Be not deceived. My family, your family, if they don't know Christ, will be turned into hell. And I can see now why God is trying to get us to focus to our main purpose, to our real purpose, to preach the gospel. I know, yes, they have to come to a place where they have to repent and bend the knee. But we can't be short of preaching the gospel to them. And as pastor said today, that doesn't mean jumping in and both feet and swinging all around. But when and where a little bit, sowing the seed, watering this bit of seed, and praying and asking God to give an increase. Second verse is found in John 17. This verse is totally different. This is the message that we carry.
I'm like pastor, I forgot to write my note down with first, so I'm looking for it. Again, I'm going to give you the verse, so it isn't John, honestly. No, it is. And it is this, and this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. What a difference of a verse. And this is life eternal. And if we're going to preach the gospel, this is our message. Look what it says. This is life eternal. We have an answer. We have an answer for those that are being turned into hell. Look at the confidence we can have in this answer. And this is life eternal. We can be confident in this message. There is an assurity in this. And this is life eternal. There's an assurance there that we have an answer for the wicked. And you notice what Jesus said. This is the words of Jesus himself. This is life eternal. Not this and something. Not this and do this. This is life eternal. And what did he say? That they may know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. This verse to the wicked, when we share, can be like thirst, water to the thirsty. It is light to those that are sitting in darkness. It's freedom from the prison and the doors are opened when we preach the gospel to them. This is the remedy for the wicked. And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That's our message. And what a message of hope. What a message for our families and our friends. That this is life eternal. This is our mandate. This is what we have been given to share. And this is life eternal. This is life eternal. We join with Jesus and we agree with Jesus and say, this is life eternal, that they may know him. Not if you do this, not if you go here, but this is that you may know him. What does that mean? It tells us that salvation is in a person. It's about relationship. Salvation is relationship. That they may know you. It's not a system. Listen, there's many, many religions in this world. It's all a system. But Jesus says it's not a system. It is God himself. And Jesus Christ, whom he has sent Jesus, in Exodus 25 and 8, 
children of Israel have come out of Egypt. And God says to them, and let them make me a sanctuary. Why? That I may dwell among them. God wanted to come himself. And he wanted to dwell among his people. God wanted to do it. And this is what Jesus is saying. And this is life eternal. It's about a relationship with God himself. It goes on to say the only true God. And he is the only true God. And he, if he is the only true God, then he is the only true way. The Bible says that one, there is one God and one mediator between God and man. When I looked at that verse, I thought, you know, I'd never seen it like this. It's between God and man. It wasn't between man and God, but it was between God and man. And it shows us again that it is God who instigates this. God is reaching out to the wicked. He reached out to us and gave us salvation. And he is still reaching out. Jesus is mediating between God and men, calling them to himself and saying, repent. Know me, know the one true living God who gave himself a ransom for all. And that we may know Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm not giving you anything different tonight, but this is as I've seen it. It has focused my mind that this is what is happening to the wicked and it's not going to stop until God completes that work or until we preach the gospel and by the Spirit of God they are turned from their wicked ways. This is where our families and our friends are going. If we don't reach out, if we don't pray, come before God and intercede for them, that they may know you, the one true God. And you may say, that's a hard message, Martin. There's no way of softening it because this is what it says. The wicked are turned into hell, but there is a hope, there is a way, and it is that they may know God himself. God is calling out, but he wants to use us. He wants to us to preach the gospel. Turn with me to Romans 10, please. There is an answer. Look what it says. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a seal of God, but not according to knowledge. For the being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. There's a form of righteousness but it's not God's righteousness. It's not God's way. 
The only way is that they may know him. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth these things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this way. Say not in thy heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above? Or who shall descend into the deep, that is, to bring up Christ again from the dead? But what does it say? The word is nigh, is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Look what it says. This is our part. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they, pre- they, and how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of, the God, of God. It takes us back to the verse first we read. The commission that God gave. The commission that Jesus gave to his disciples. How shall they hear? if no one's going to preach? How will they hear if no one's going to share the gospel with them? This is where we are tonight. This is why I've been challenged by this message. I want to witness more. I want to share the gospel more. Because I have the answer. It is Jesus himself. You have the answer. It is Jesus himself. But how are they going to hear? How are your family going to hear? How is your grandfather, your grandmother, your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your son, your daughter going to hear? I know we just don't pile in all the time. But when that arises, that we speak the word of God. Because God wants to save them. Because God loves mercy more than judgment. The Bible tells us that. He desires mercy more than judgment. Very sobering. But we need to preach the gospel. We need to share the gospel. As I say, over these last lot of weeks, I've been struck by that pattern. And I believe God wants us to share and preach the gospel because we have the answer. And only the church has been given that answer. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. What a lovely verse. Now when you're talking to someone and they maybe give you a mouthful or they think, I don't want to hear any more of that. But when the Spirit of God takes that and he speaks to them and they start to see the beauty of that word that you shared when they start to see what Christ has done for them, where they see that they're sitting in sin, but they see that there is an answer, 
Let me tell you, your feet will be beautiful to them. Your feet will be beautiful to them. Those words that you share are beautiful. This is life eternal, that they may know thee. That's how beautiful the gospel is. To a man in death row, and he gets that pardon, and he's maybe waiting on his, his judgment. When he gets that call from the governor that he has been pardoned or he has had that stay of execution, let me tell you, that's beautiful. And he will be happy with that. How much more the wicked when we share the words that Christ has set them free, has died to set them free. The Bible says there that not all will believe, but that shouldn't stop us. I, know, I have family members who has an off at this moment without Christ are going to hell. You have family members at this moment who without Christ are going to hell. And God is just in sending them there. But he doesn't want to. And he has given the answer. He has given the answer. This is life eternal. Let me just read you a couple of wee passages from a book I've been reading recently. And I know this is quite sobering tonight, but this is the truth. Listen to what this man said. This is from a book by, by Hudson Taylor. And he spoke to this, this Reformed Buddhist. And this is what the Reformed Buddhist said once he had accepted Christ. He told the story of the Reformed Buddhist at Ningbo, who after hearing him preach the gospel, stood up in the audience and said, I have long sought for the truth as my father did before me, but I have not found it. I have found no rest in Confucianism, Buddhism, Taoism, but I do find rest in what I have heard tonight. Henceforth, I believe in Jesus. A few nights later, he had asked how long this good news had been known in England. When told some hundreds of years, he had looked amazed. What? said he. Is it possible? And yet you have now only come to tell us. My father sought after the truth for more than 20 years and died without finding it. Why did you not come sooner? People are looking for the truth. Pastor spoke that this morning. People are looking for truth. And we have the truth. We can go now or we can miss it. But we need to go. And I'm talking to myself as much. Pastor says some people just it rolls out of them. And that's true. I'm not one of those people. But I have been genuinely honest with you. I've been praying this week, Lord, open my mouth. Help me to witness. To get into conversations with people and then just start to open up the gospel. They may say, listen, I don't want to hear it. But they may say, I have been waiting in hearing that. I have been wanting to know truth. And they will hear it and they will see it. Also says, do you believe that each unit 
of these millions has an immortal soul and that there is none other name under heaven whereby they must be saved. It will not do to say that you have no special call to go to China. With these facts before you and with the command of the Lord Jesus to go, you need rather to ascertain whether you have a special call to stay at home. We don't have a call to stay at home. We don't have to have a call to keep our mouths closed. We all can and should share the gospel because Jesus says we should. We don't have a special commission to do it. And just as like an encouragement as we come, when God does touch people and their lives are transformed, I know of two people in the last couple of weeks that have come to Christ and they're bouncing, for want of a better way of putting it. They're excited. The pastor said this morning, but is it right to use fear? Well, listen, there's nothing more fearful in those scriptures that the wicked are turned into hell. I know of one person, no names or anything like that, that basically said, I don't want to go to hell. And it scared them. And they came to Christ. And they're on fire. In a matter of moments, Joyce told me the other day of a young lady that came into the charity shop and she's on fire. How long she saved? Eight months on fire. Listen, we want our families to be on fire for Christ. We want our families to be set free. But we have to share the gospel. And we have to pray. Because you, I don't believe we're going to have one without the other. We have to pray. We have to ask the Lord to move. Turn with me just quickly. We're almost finished. To John 16. And this is why we need to pray. Because we read verse 8 of John 16. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. We need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to move upon our families and our friends. We need to be on our knees asking God to move. We need to be desperate. Because look what he does. He will convict them of their sin. He will show them that their righteousness is not enough, but the righteousness of Christ is enough. And he will show them that if they don't avoid, if they avoid that, if they don't have his righteousness, there is only judgment left. That's the sort of conviction our family need. Listen, we needed that. I didn't want to go to hell. That's why I came to Christ. But I haven't been the same since. And you haven't been the same since. But we need to pray. And we need to preach the gospel.
It's your family and your friends. On Thursday night, we had a great prayer meeting, but I want to encourage you to come to it. If you're working, fine. If you're not free, fine. But if you're free and you're sitting watching EastEnders, listen, some of your family members without the gospel, without Christ, are going to hell. You need to come and pray for them. You may say, I'm not a big, big prayer. Listen, some of us are loud, some of us are quiet, but you know what? We're in agreement before God. Praying for our loved ones, praying for one another, praying that God will move. If you're free, come. Just send my call to come. Listen, well then I think you need to go before God. You're called to come and pray for those that are lost. The wicked are being turned into hell. That's my family and that's your family. But we have the truth. This is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I do genuinely believe that God is motivating us because I believe God wants to save our families and our friends. But we have to do our bit. We have to do our bit. I know that has been quite strong tonight, but I have to go with what I believe God has given me. But think of the outcome that your family is in fire for Christ. Your sons and your daughters serving Christ your mother and your father serving Christ. Whoever it is in your family, think of the outcome. Listen, we don't want them going to hell without us having told them the good news. Tell them the good news. Like that Chinese man, he says, why didn't you come sooner? That's us. We need to be there. And you're maybe sitting in your chair thinking, oh, Martin, I, I, I can't witness. And I get tongue-tied. And I get, listen, sorry, I, I'm having to reevaluate things. But I need to talk to people because I have the answer. And it is Christ, the hope of glory. We're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Oh, we thank you that your word is true. Yes, Lord, you are a righteous judge. But Lord, your word also tells us that you are a God of mercy. Lord, we want to thank you tonight. For us that know you in this building tonight, we say thank you for your mercy. Thank you for saving our souls. Thank you that you've plucked us from hell and you've destined us for heaven. We give you the glory and the honor for it. We thank you for what you have done in our lives, for your grace and for your mercy. But Father, we have others in our families and our friends, Lord, 
But Lord, unless they come to the cross, they are being turned into hell. Lord, I want to ask you tonight, I want to agree with your people in this building tonight, Lord God. I want to ask you to pour out your Holy Spirit. I want to ask you, Father, that tonight would be a turning point, that you would send your Holy Spirit to them, and that your Holy Spirit would convict them. That strong, mighty conviction of the Spirit of God would come upon them. The Lord, that no matter where they find themselves, they would be faced, Lord God, that they are in their sins and that they are dead in their sins. Lord, let that conviction come upon them, I pray tonight in Jesus' mighty name. And Lord, show them, Lord God, Lord, whether that's yourself, Lord, or, or as over these coming weeks as we share your gospel, that they will see that there is a hope and that there is a future and that it is a person. It is you yourself. It is God Almighty, the one true living God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That is it, Lord. That is the only thing that is going to save them. It's not a list of do's, Lord. It is that they may know you. Lord, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit again tonight, Lord. Touch them, Lord God. Go to them, Lord God. Lord, we don't want them going to a lost eternity, Lord God. Because, Lord, the minute they stop breathing, Lord God, that is it. They are turned into hell or they are destined for heaven. Lord, touch them. Touch them, Lord God, and we pray tonight. Pour out your Holy Spirit, Lord. Minister to them as only you can do it, Lord God. Lord, we water it by prayer, Lord God. And Lord, we ask you tonight, and I pray for your people, Lord, that you would fill their mouths with the words of the gospel. Lord, it is not a, 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 an idea, Lord God. It is a commission to share the gospel. It is a command, Lord God. It is not a thought. It is a command, Lord, to share your gospel. Lord, fill your people's mouths tonight. Give them confidence. Give them boldness. Give them opportunities. Open the door, Lord God, for them. And Lord, help them to be bold in the part of your spirit. Lord, we want to see people saved. Lord, we want to see people saved. Lord, we want to see this building saved, filled, Lord God, with saved people. Lord, coming in with Lord, the lost coming in and being saved, Lord God. Lord, in every church in this town, Lord, we want to see it. Lord, for your glory and for your honor. Lord, I want to thank you that you are a God of mercy. And we call upon you, the God of mercy tonight, to be merciful. Be merciful to our families and our friends. For your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Amen.